Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to successful living. The proverb says a man who cannot control his spirit is like a city without walls, open for destruction, defenseless. If you're not walking in the spirit, your walls are down. It's not if you're going to fall, it's when you're going to fall. When walls are down, you're open to destruction. You're defenseless. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You've probably read the bumper sticker, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. But the truth is, those who ascribe to the salvation of the Lord are still accountable to all the truths found in the Word of God. And right now, it's time for today's intriguing lesson, Brashness in the Face of Judgment, from Isaiah chapter 22. Here's Pastor Xavier to begin. There are approximately two million laws in the United States. If man could familiarize himself with two a day, he could be qualified to act as a law-abiding citizen in the space of 6,000 years. Laws do not make people law-abiding. They only declare that they're law-breakers and condemn and guilty before God. That's why Paul tells the Romans... Now, we know that whatever the law says, and of course he's speaking about the Jewish law, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world be, may become guilty before God, Romans 3.19. Man is a lawbreaker, incapable of keeping laws. I do not commend him, they condemn him. Isaiah the prophet declares the judgment against Jerusalem. Because they were guilty before God. It isn't the first time he's declared it. So as you read Isaiah, don't think he's just repeating himself. You have to put it in the context of running time. You and I as parents do that to our children. A million times. Turn off the light. It's an ongoing warning. Throughout a period of time that's running. And the reason we keep repeating it. It's because they don't pay heed. Which parent will say, well, they're not paying attention. I guess I won't say it no more. Now, that's much what's going on today in our society. But in days of old, parents kept repeating the warning. Let me read our passage here where Isaiah declares the judgment against Jerusalem, revealing three warnings for us. 22, 1 through 14. The burden against the valley of vision. What ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? You who are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city? Your slain men are not slain with the sword, nor dead in battle. All your rulers have fled together. They are captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from afar. Therefore I said, look away from me. I will weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me because of the plundering of the daughters of my people. For it is a day of trouble and treading down in perplexity by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and crying to the mountains. Elam bore the quiver with chariots of men and horsemen, and Kerr uncovered the sheath. It shall come to pass that your choicest valley shall be full of chariots. 
and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. He removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, and it was great. And you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. You also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. And in that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth, but instead joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts, surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. The prophet Isaiah, through inner turmoil, personal grief himself, declares the judgment of Jerusalem, revealing three important warnings for believers. These are the people of God that he is speaking to, not the non-believer. Here's the three warnings. First, the revelation of God's judgment denied. Verse 1 and the first portion of verse 8. Secondly, the revelation of man's resourcefulness in the face of judgment. The remainder of verse 8 down to 11. And then thirdly, the revelation of man's brashness in view of judgment. Verse 12 through 14. The revelation of God's judgment was being denied. This we have in the first eight verses. Notice first in verse 1 through 4, the judgment was against Jerusalem. The judgment is depicted by the word burden. The word burden, masa, means the lifting up of the voice of the prophet. We have covered this because it's a repeated thing that we've been looking at this section of the judgment of nations. The word is the proclamation of the oracles of doom and judgment. Fourteen times the word is used for the judgment of these nations. Twelve of these times it's found between chapter 13 and 23. The other two appear in chapter 30 verse 6 and chapter 40 verse 2. So in this section, he's dealing with judgment regarding all those nations. And now Israel's included, Judah. Why? Because they are living like the Gentiles, not trusting and believing in God. So he includes them with the non-believer. Notice the Valley of Vision refers to the city of Jerusalem, which surrounded it by valleys, three of them. There is the Kedron's right in front of it, and as you go up to the left, then you have the Tyropoom and also the Hinnom. Remember the Valley of Hinnom? That's where the trash heap was given of the city. That's where the worship of Molech, where babies were offered on his, on his burning arms. And many believe that this is a place, the valley, where God gave Isaiah the vision. It's the place of judgment. Jesus says it's where the fire never quenched, the worm never dies, and he equates that to Gehenna. It's judgment. The valley of Jehoshaphat is believed to be the valley of the Kidron. Um, and you find that in Joel 3.2 in the last days. 
Others believe it's the new valley that will be formed when Jesus returns and the headwaters come out from, from Jerusalem, from the throne of God, one to the Dead Sea, the other one to the Mediterranean. But the valleys are all around Jerusalem there. Now, the prophet received this vision in one of those valleys at a best vantage point to see the city. And seeing the city, he's awake, he's having the vision. God is giving it to him. The prophet Isaiah opened up his book declaring that the entire book was the vision of Amos, the prophet, the son of Amos, in chapter 1, verse 1. The prophet declares them to be visions very directly in chapter 21, verse 1, 22, verse 1, and 22, verse 5. The prophet says that he saw visions receiving by his perception in chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. So throughout the book, we see this affirmation. Remember chapter 6, the prophet saw a vision of God and his temple high and lifted up. His glory did fill the temple. The year that King Uzziah died. And it was a tremendous effect upon his life because he got his eyes on God finally and he got his call directly through that vision. It changed his life. Now notice the judgment was directed in view of the response of the people in the city of Jerusalem. This is important. Verse 1, the rest of it, and verse 2. The prophet asked, what ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? The housetops were used as a patio, relaxation, celebration in the Middle East, and it still is today. Many areas of Mexico, Central, South America, people, they have their house on top as a patio. You go up on top. We build balconies, but in the Middle East, the roof is used up. Now, the prophet declares, you who are full of noise, tumultuous city, a joyous city, question mark? Despite the death of many through famine and pestilence rather than battle. So the problem was not that they had patios up in the roof. The problem was not that God didn't want them to be happy. The problem was, in view of the time, they found themselves in celebration rather than being concerned about the impending danger. They were reveling in the housetops, a charge against their lightheartedness over the situation. Nothing wrong with laughing. Nothing wrong with having some fun. But if you're doing that when a family member is in the emergency ward on life support system, something's definitely wrong. The timing. It is believed that this is in reference to the siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib as he sent a detachment, but he himself completed the siege of Ekron in 701 B.C., giving temporary relief. And you find that in 2 Kings 18, 13 through 16. We'll cover it again, Isaiah 36 and 37. And so often people, God is, is declaring judgment over their life, and they seem to get a little bit of relief, and they say, oh, everything's okay now. I got a little breather. But nothing's changed. Judgment is still coming. Amazing. 
Instead of trusting God, we've already seen from the beginning, they're trusting Egypt to confederate against Assyria. God says, don't do that. Whether they believed it or not, God's word came true anyway. In their attempt to trust Egypt to stand against Assyria, they saw the futility of it, and some of them were the first to flee. But they were captured and bound. Notice verse 4, the prophet declared his lamentation and grief over the judgment to come. As we proclaim judgment, as we declare that God is going to judge, we never do with the smack of the lips. We should never do it with a smile on our face. We should do it with a broken heart because we know that it's for eternity. When we're dealing with judgment, we're dealing with eternal things. When we're dealing with God's word, we're not dealing with temporal things. We're dealing with eternity. We need to understand that. He tells all to look away from him. I will weep bitterly, being emotionally devastated. He tells all not to labor to comfort him because of the plunder of the daughter of my people. He identifies himself with the people. He's hurting for the people. Yet, he's made himself distinct from the people, not to be one with their sin. This is what we're to do. Very important. Now notice, secondly, in verse 5 through 8, the judgment was divinely appointed. This is important. In verse 5, the prophet expresses the horror of the day. He identifies the day as one of trouble and treading down and perplexity, a type of the day of the Lord to come, Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the great tribulation. Many of these things have short-term, long-term, near and far fulfillment. He indelibly states that this is by the Lord God of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, a repeated phrase over and over and over again in Isaiah. It is God who is fighting against them. Notice he identifies a place, the valley of vision, Jerusalem. You see, Hezekiah at this time paid tremendous amount of tribute to Assyria. You find that in 2 Kings 18, 15, and 16. Now, Hezekiah was a, a pretty good king himself, but the nation was already doomed for judgment. And the reforms and the revival that came through him were very superficial in view of the people. They were going through motions but lost all the relational emotions with God. That's always the danger of being a Christian and, and, and growing old in Christ, right? We can just go to church because we always do it and we've lost our relationship and we lose the passion, the interest. It's just something we are now. No different. Notice the walls were breached, being defenseless, resulting in a cry of despair in verse 5. In verse 6 and 7, the prophet declares that there would be a dual contingency. Elam, with chariots of horses attacked, with bow and cur, with uncovered sheaths, meaning the sword. Both were most likely serving as contingents in the Assyrian army. Assyria was the dominant power at that time, and, and many times they'd conquer the people, they would put them within their, uh, their ranks and, and even hire out mercenaries. That still goes on today in different countries. Notice they would be at the very gates of the city, verse 7 says. The gates speak of authority. You see, the people of God had lost the authority to lead. 
They had lost the power to live because they had become in bondage to their own lifestyles. They were so contrary to what God had ordered for them. The beginning of verse 8, the prophet reveals that the Lord was the one to remove their protection. It wasn't just coincidence. Too many times, some of God's people start getting mixed up in things they shouldn't, and God is dealing with them, and they think, it's, oh, it's just coincidence. Or people say, I really want to hear the voice of God, and God is speaking, God is closing doors, God is opening doors, but they're being ignored. How loud does God have to speak? Sennacherib penetrated the lines of the fortress towns that protected the city of Jerusalem in 2 Kings 18, 13. But he never entered the city. God's word was true. The prophecy was ultimately fulfilled, will be fulfilled, when Nebuchadnezzar would come in in 586 B.C. in the third siege. Remember, many of these times in that day has a near and a far. Assyria is a dominant power. Babylon is the next. In Irving's famous story, the drunken Rip Van Winkle excuses every fresh failure by saying, quote, I won't count it this time. While he may have conveniently put aside his misdeeds in this way, his brain cells were still registering them and storing them up to be used against him when the next temptation arose. How much more the record of God? Nothing will escape him. The judgment of God is said to be very specific throughout the scriptures. And yet, our American society and the world at large are living it up in a lifestyle that is condemned by God. God is very specific through the scriptures. The fornicator will be judged. The adulterer will be judged. The liar will be judged. The idolater will be judged. The self-righteous will be judged. And you can continue the list. He is very, very specific because he wants not one of those to go to hell. He's very specific. The recorded judgments of the past are as good as the vision of Isaiah's judgment of Jerusalem because they're recorded for us and we have them in the past. The very judgment of Noah, the flood, is evident throughout the world. At its highest mountain peak, you find sedimentary strata in ocean life. How'd they get there? Whenever they dig up a fossil, it's there. Both cry out cataclysmic judgment, the flood. There's no other explanation. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is without any question God's statement on those who would corrupt the creation of God, changing the natural use of the woman and the man to live in a homosexual lifestyle or a lesbian lifestyle. And God has recorded this in Genesis 19 to turn such a person, not to condemn them, but to turn them 
The scriptures are clear that often God removes his protection in order to allow judgment to come through natural consequences and retribution. The principle of sowing and reaping is given to us in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, at least one of the times. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. This principle applies to both believer and non-believer. No exception. It's like gravity. If a non-believer goes up to the balcony here in the sanctuary and a believer and they both jump off, they'll both be thrust to the ground. Gravity doesn't say, oh, you're a Christian. You get to float. <laughs> you see, the revelation of God's judgment is warning against denying God's judgment. God's judgment is coming. You may deny it. You may explain it away. You may rationalize it. But it's coming. Notice, secondly, the rest of 8 all the way down to 11, the revelation of man's resourcefulness in face of judgment. Man is incredible. You know that. Because you're one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. We are resourceful rascals, aren't we? Notice verse 8. First of all, the people trusted in their military power. The prophet specifies the event to be related to the vision he has received by the phrase, in that day. The phrase is key to the book of Isaiah and is used numerous times. The phrase often has a double fulfillment, near and far, short and long. The one thing that is pointed out here very clearly is the one doing the defending is emphatic. Look at the word you. The personal pronoun appears four times in this section, once in each verse, 8, 9, 10, and 11, the first portion. It's emphatic. The personal pronoun stands in sharp contrast to he and maker, referring to God in verse 8 and in verse 11. You oppose to God. There's the contrast. You cannot miss it. The power of their resources were in view of their past glory. This is always a mistake. The armor of the house of the forest, without doubt, refer to the armory built by Solomon during the golden age of Israel. What a failure it is for you and myself to always trust in our past glory. The failure was to not recognize that the power of Solomon was not in the armory, but the power of Solomon was in the one who gave him the armory. You see, there's a key, people. You and I can get to a place where we start trusting the thing rather than the one who gave us the thing. Notice secondly in verse 9 and 10. The people trusted in their ability to fortify the city. Verse 9, they assessed the damage of the city of David. The people saw the breaches in the walls of Jerusalem and the people concluded the damage was great and they made themselves ready to prepare because what? They found themselves defenseless. When walls are down, you're open to destruction. The proverb says a man who cannot control his spirit, he's like a city without walls, open for destruction. 
If you're not walking in the Spirit, your walls are down. It's not if you're going to fall. It's when you're going to fall. You're defenseless. Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us who to put our trust in, will always be primary to what we put our trust in. Today's message, Brashness in the Face of Judgment, is available for only $4 on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier has planned to share next time as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Brashness in the Face of Judgment, or simply mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Learn the true path to success next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 